here's Johnny. Welcome, welcome to another quarantine edition of the Buzzed Podcast. I'm Jay Kington, down here in the Fort Lauderdale area of South Florida, joined by, as always, Mr. E.J. Golett, coming to us from Los Angeles, California. How you doing, E.J.? I'm doing good. How are you, uh, cool cats and kittens, doing tonight? Well, I can't speak for all the cool cats and kittens, but uh, this little tiger's doing all right. <laughs> well, meow. Meow. <laughs> um, Jay, what has your week been like, man? It's it's uh, we're on day, I think thirty, no, twenty seven of quarantine right now, something like that. I don't know, dude. It's been like three weeks, right? And I, I, I was using, I got issued like a because I don't like to use my laptop. It's not the fastest for work, and it's kind of a pain. So I have another uh, computer that my work issued me. And um, the scrolling is different. It's inverted. So now I'm like trying to scroll on this, you know, <laughs> as we're working, like everything's backwards. But um, I, I guess holding up as, as, as best we can. Um, we've had a, a little bit of a delay. Got really sick there for a bit. I honestly think it might have been the COVID, but can't guarantee anything because I can't get tested because I'm too young. Yeah, which is a sad fact of life, but it did certainly sound like you had something pretty fucking bad and gnarly last week. Yeah, it was rough. It was very painful and it was rough. It was, uh, it was not easy, but um, I did crush quite a bit of uh, some series and some uh, some movies during that time. So, Well, please share with the, uh, the class. Uh, well, in about 48 hours, I went through uh, about 1.1 1. 1 in three-fourths of, of the second season of Mayans uh, MC, basically the uh, sequel to Sons of Anarchy, which was pretty good. But uh, before I got sick, I, I saw Tiger King, and I've, I've actually like heard of this story for about like a year and a half now, just kind of tidbits and other <clears throat> podcasts that I listened to that you actually showed me, uh, has, has mentioned the Joe Exotic a few times. So I'd, I'd always been like aware then. It was like right initially, like when we all started working from home that I saw a post of a friend on Facebook, like, yo, this is the craziest documentary ever. And I just commented, I was like, please tell me it's about Joe Exotic. And he's like, yes, it is. So then I looked it up, literally watched like four episodes that night, then three the next morning. So I watched <laughs> that all in like 12 hours. Um, I told you, I was like, you got to drop everything and, and watch this. But um, as far as like watching like Tiger King, started this other series on Netflix, uh, Valhalla Murders, which is like an Icelandic uh, series. The voiceovers are uh, kind of annoying at some points, but it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm very, I'm in the infancy of that. Uh, also watched like American standoff about the uh, farmers standoff in Oregon in like 2016 that resulted in like one death from like the uh, FBI shooting a civilian. But uh, today I finished up Project Blue Book. The second season. Oh wow! It's all done. Awesome. Uh, the second season is yeah. So we'll see if they're gonna do a third. Um, started watching Dave the Little Dicky series on FX, which is great. I highly suggest checking that out if you like Little Dicky. Um, and then, you know, I saw you had some, some video games on here. So yeah, I've been, I've been doing quite a bit of FIFA, quite a bit of Warzone and, um, 
pretty tempted to buy this new Resident Evil that just dropped out. Of there, uh, Evil 3. I, I did see that, and I think there's um, online play with that as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's like a 4v1 online play. I, I got I bought the, the, the remake of the second one and played through Leon's story, but didn't get to um, to uh, to the other one. I, I can't remember. No, Alice. I mean, unless that's the homage, but Alice was the computer program. Uh, Resident Evil 3 looks pretty badass, and uh, I'm definitely tempted to get that. I heard the online play is not that great, but the, the, the story mode is uh, But that's basically yeah. what I've been doing, man. What have you uh, What have you been watching over there? Uh, well, based off your recommendation, I have uh, watched The Tiger King, and uh, you know, I watched that before it like hit the mainstream media so quickly and heavily but that was based off your suggestion so thank you I felt like i was one of the cool kids yeah i was kind of forcing i was like stop whatever you're doing and just watch it i'm doing this i was like i don't care what you're doing just stop and watch this you have to watch it <laughs> and you were right dude and it was it was glorious like well what's it about i'm like well what's it not about it's like exotic pets tigers running for political office murder uh homosexuality guns drugs more murder con men meth uh, a lot of meth yeah, a lot of meth and like it, it's, it's just insane it's such an insane it literally touches on everything you'd ever every genre you could imagine it's absolutely amazing if you haven't watched tiger king lately uh go out there and watch that asap it is truly uh what the fuck that's all you're gonna say at the end of it it's a it's a marvel yep uh aside from that uh like Late night, I've been doing a lot of like The Simpsons, just rewatching. I started on F1, and I've just been kind of crushing through it on Disney Plus. It's fantastic. Like the old episodes are so good. Um, once it comes out, I'm like I'm waiting for it, and honestly, I, I want you to watch it too. Um, is Cursed Films, which is on Shutter. Um, it's coming. It's it's it came out on the second, but they have not released it on Amazon Prime Video yet, which is weird. So I'm just trying to find it, but basically it's documentaries about um, all these iconic horror films and how they got the cursed film status. So they talk about the Poltergeist, the Exorcist, um, Apocalypse Now, uh, all these other like really well-known films and kind of like the behind the scenes of them all. Um, so that'll be really cool to dive into. Um, can't recommend this one enough. Lego Masters on Fox. Holy shit. Uh, it is amazing it is it's like every cooking show you could ever think of except you're just watching people build legos and it works so well and they got will arnett on there yeah no it's like it, you'll love it dude for some reason the, the like programming on the the guide for uverse was off so it said it was lego masters because i saw i, I know that you were watching that so I check it out, but it was, it was some other show so they messed the programming up but I, I definitely will check it out i remember seeing like a preview just check it out it's it's like it's something mindless to watch and um will arnett's in there and he's lego batman he's fucking hilarious anyway so it's it's good <laughs> uh, aside from that too as i was as you were saying um i'm playing a lot of video games right now i'm, I'm into i bought call of duty worth it animal crossing oh my god uh well, i didn't free. think i was ever going to be addicted warzone's free but i bought i bought the whole game uh just the other day so wait, have you played the the campaign for the new COD yet? Yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing the campaign right now. I'm playing the campaign, like, and then I just keep a. When they're like all. I've I've I'm only maybe. Oh yeah, yeah. I got to that part. That part was insane. 
it's so cool. It's 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 so realistic and well done. Like I can't imagine what it looked like on a really good Xbox because mine is so old. But it's still fun as hell to play. Yeah. Um, Animal Crossing, great. Like if you have the Nintendo Switch, I never thought I'd have so much fun doing chores in my life, but I am. Uh, Untitled Goose Game, which is ridiculous. You're playing a goose and you are tasked to do things like go get a farmer's hat off his head. It's like puzzle solving. It's, it's awesome. fun. Uh, Super Mario Party. And then I'm considering buying The Witcher 3 if if if, uh, if, if I can uh, really want to suck my game my life away. 150-hour game, I don't know if I can do it. But uh, I'm considering getting it. But leading into some Quora news, uh, we are just going to see what's going on in the world of movies right now. I mean, there's a lot of things canceled. I tried to keep this really horror film focused, um, but I was going to talk about one movie at least um, out of there. That's Top Gun. Top Gun got postponed until December this week, which I guess is okay. But also, who's going to want to flock to the... It's just who's going to flock to the theater to see a sun. It's a summer movie, man. Like, you know, it's not, no one's going to want to go see that in the summer. Every, every movie after this is just going to, it's either going to do great or it's going to flop horribly because of the positioning they're put in. Um, a quiet place too. I think they got moved to a good spot. Um, they just moved down to September, uh, of this year, which is fine, I guess, but we still have to wait. And I really want to see that motherfucker. Um, yeah, that's probably pending. No, no, they they announced they moved a quiet place to to September. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And then the Last of Us two part two that got delayed indefinitely. Yeah, they should be pushing everything out, dude. People are willing to discover. But I digress. That's really it right now in terms of movie news that I was really wanting to talk about. I know we talked on recent episodes about other films. Uh, I mean, I know that Marvel is um, redone their whole slate as well, and they're pushing everything back pretty much a year. So phase four is really set to begin in 2021 now for them. But really what we're here for tonight is to talk about uh, the 1989, 2019, and the novel of Pet Cemetery. Uh, Stephen King's iconic story. Yeah, so I mean, here we are, man. And, and you know, I, I was honestly pretty excited to do this episode. There's a very few authors that I absolutely love everything they touch. Uh, really, one being Tom Clancy, and, and I'd say the second one being Stephen King. It seems like everything they touch, I love. Uh, I watch all um, of, of basically anything Stephen King related. He has a lot of. Uh, films that are based off you know books that he wrote he's a, he's a complete genius he's made all these characters up he has made basically his own universe um, we're now in this really interesting time of life where a lot of movies are being remade and there's this trend that's going on where they're remaking all these Stephen King movies right so you see it with like it one it two pet cemetery um, it would not surprise me at all if there was a, a new Cujo that, Cujo that was made, if there was a new Children of the Corn that was made. So I'm uh, very excited to take on this one, um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, being a great movie in its time. Uh, this one, you know, did not let me down by any means. Um, you know, it wasn't the greatest movie, but in, in a, 
age of remakes, this one was done quite well, I think. Yep. And I totally agree with you. And like, it's, uh, you know, you're right about Stephen King. All of his stuff is really seeing new light after, um, Andy Muschietti brought back it. And even with those other great films that are on, um, Netflix, such as Gerald's game and 1922, uh, and in the tall grass, um, those are all so excellent. Uh, and also there's, there's so much like, there's just so much like a web or spinoff of, of his ideas, you know? Yeah. Like, well, they have been for years. Yeah. It, 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 he's, I mean, he's like, as far as cultural impact and definitely in the United States, he has helped shape the horror and thriller genre for the past 30 years. Yeah. He's been the inspiration for so many people, um, to really bring the, uh, elevated horror to life because I feel like all of his movies really bring in such dramatic roles and they make it not campy horror, but they make it really um, elevated, scary horror, something along the lines of the conjuring or uh, hereditary or something like that. A lot of his films kind of these movies were released. They were terrifying. They might not hold up so much nowadays compared to current movies. Yeah. Still tell that like they were definitely, you know, moving pieces of art, and like to the point where I'm—I know his son just released a series on Netflix, Lock and Key, under a different name, so people didn't like, you know, recognize he was Stephen King's son. And I'm, I'm intrigued to to watch that and see how that is. I mean, like literally anything that has his name on it, I'm I'm interested in, and in, in watching. Oh yeah, me too. It's I haven't seen that. I have seen one episode of that Lock and Key, and then I stopped. But it's not because I wasn't interested. I just didn't have the time. But now I do, so I think I'm gonna have to check that one out. Um, I wanted to talk tonight and first dive into uh, the differences between the movie and the novel, and I'm talking about both the '89 movie and the 2019 movie. Um, I want to note here that the first half of the movie of the 2019 movie. I think that really definitely stuck to some of the plot beats from the book, but the latter half of that film, this film, uh, after Lewis discovers that Micmac burial ground, which we'll get into, uh, it's really where he explores new, new territory. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting, but, but uh, I guess let, let's just go over like the quick basic details we need to give, I think, on, on, on everything we cover. So as far as like budget was concerned, $21 million for this movie, grossed $54.7 million uh, domestically, uh, and then 109 million worldwide from Paramount Pictures uh, directors Kevin Kolsch and Dennis uh, Widmeyer, uh, writers obviously Stephen King, but then you know, supplementing that as well Matt Greenberg uh, and uh, Jeff Bueller. Um, and then as far as cast goes, I mean Jason Clark. You were talking about this earlier this week. Really like him as an actor. He plays uh, Doctor Lewis Creed, Amy uh, Simons, his wife Rachel Creed, John Lithgow. Who, everyone should love is Judd uh, and then uh, Jet Lawrence is, is Ellie who uh, actually had quite a few um, you know pieces to her name prior to this but to, to go into any of that I just wanted to give the, the kind of basic skeleton of this movie and you know how it was structured how it performed oh yeah and I will say uh, Jette Lawrence uh, who played Ellie she um killed it she was the best part of the whole movie i thought she was fantastic wanted to punch her in the throat (laughs) really i thought she was so i thought she was so 
I was like, did you not? I was like, oh. She did so great that I wanted to punch her in the throat. (laughs) Well, I mean. She did such a good job. Like, my first reaction would be throat. Well, she almost got it until uh, poor old Judd got a nice stab to the back by his wife. Yeah. Uh, which is, I always forget because I, I rewatched the 89 movie as well. And I forgot that um, at the end, you know, she dies and then she comes back. Uh, and then, you know, it cuts to black, but, you know, she definitely kills, Ju- uh, uh, excuse me, um, Lewis as well. Um, I completely forgot about that ending. I mean, like the one, one thing that was like ingrained in my mind from the original was when, um, what's the son's name? I can't remember right now. Gage. Yeah, so when Gage slices Judd and it's right across his mouth and like it opens up even wider as he's like doing this like awe, kind of like awe moment. Yeah, that's that eighty special effects right there for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. but uh, you know, good and honestly, is like they it, it as far as the original in this one, like you know, Gage was the one that died in the original and came back, and in this one they had uh, Ellie uh, Jate Lawrence. Who died so that was kind of a nice like keep you on your your heels moment because there was a when that whole scene occurred you thought you knew what was going to happen and they just changed it up on you it's like in glorious bastards and they kill hitler you know yeah exactly let's change history i yeah. wish hitler had died that way uh and i honestly thought this was a better choice to make ellie the one who um perished instead of uh gage because the directors even say this as well. Uh, an eight-year-old girl is more intimidating than a three-year-old boy. Um, so she's able to kind of bring more depth to her character, make you care a little bit more about it. When you watch the 89 one, it feels really silly, especially when that damn baby jumps out of that fucking attic down on uh, Lewis and tries to tackle him. It's uh, mm-hmm. comical. <laughs> um, another thing I uh, found the difference of um, is that Judd's wife is actually alive in the novel. Um in the book, she's alive and well. Um, she has a heart attack, but thanks to Lewis, um, she's saved and gets to live another day. And with that, this leads Judd to actually um, go help Lewis whenever Church dies in the novel and bring her back. Uh, but in both of these movies, she's already dead at the beginning, which I think is a better plot point anyway considering this movie is only an hour and a half long it would be kind of difficult to introduce all those characters uh at once into a a novel i kind of like that it just sticks with the creed family and then just judd and that's basically all the characters you need to know besides the cat church yeah no i agree i mean obviously you know when you have a, a long novel you can develop those characters a lot better but for you know an hour and a half film you gotta be quick in your development so kind of basic basic synopsis of the story is um you know dr lewis creed right so jason clark decides to move his family out to uh i believe it's the ludlow maine and they move from from boston so they're kind of escaping the rat race to a little bit more uh country scenery and one of like the first scenes is they kind of see the procession of these kids very like pagan and mystic they're all wearing different uh, animal masks and, and marching the dead uh, animal to this to this cemetery that they discover not far from their in their backyard. Yeah. The cemetery in their backyard. I wouldn't be cool with that at all, man. I'd be like, no, please. Uh, let's get the city ordinance over here and get all these pets cleared out of here. Yeah. So there's this. Okay, so there's this cemetery in their backyard. It, it's really all pets. 
Um, and you know, as the movie goes on, the cat ends up getting killed. And so instead of really just being honest with his family, uh, Dr. Lewis Creed, uh, just lies and says the cat ran away. Uh, Judd, his neighbor catches on to like what's going on. Um, again, played by John Lithgow, then, uh, tells him like, if you really want to, uh, you know, not hurt your family, follow me. And so they go to the pet cemetery, which is, again, all these graves are pet. It's, and then they keep walking back even further. So they keep walking back, you know, day turns to night, and they come across this creepy, really creepy area of the woods uh, where Judd tells them to bury the cat there. Uh, shortly thereafter, they return home. Uh, the cat also returns home, but the cat is a, a highly aggressive cat at this point. Um, and this is really where like the shit kind of gets heavy. So the the cat's very aggressive. It turns out that Judd did the same thing for his uh, dog several years ago, uh, but his dog was always aggressive. So when it came back aggressive, he just thought it was more of the same. He figured that if he did it with the cat who was nicer, uh, that it would come back as a nice cat, but it came back as a mean cat. So then Judd kind of catches on that there's this weird uh, Indian burial site, you know, back far in the trenches of his land. Uh, where you could reincarnate uh, items, basically. And his land is, I guess, kind of shotgun form where, like, no one's ever really been to the back. They kind of stay away from there. But um, then it goes to, like, a birthday party, house party kind of situation. His son's playing in the street. A semi comes on this road where they continuously show cars moving fast, right? So you think the son's going to die. He saves the son. The car hits the brakes. The trailer goes off and kills the daughter. Then it, you know, fast forward. Much different than the book and the movie, though, I will say. In in, in the book, the the son dies. But they kind of, that's how they kind of kept you on your toes for this one. So then he goes over to Judd's, they're drinking, and then he ends up, you know, they talk about, you know, Judd's like, I wish I never showed you that burial site. And, um, you know, of course, Lewis is like, but but you did. And so he ends up drugging Judd and then taking his daughter out there, bearing his daughter, and then uh, his daughter comes back to life. And that's kind of where, like, all hell breaks loose before getting to the ending. uh, That's basically like a quick kind of um, update on on how the story goes. Minute movie with Jay. Thank you for that breakdown. yeah, it's a uh, it's quite a crazy story, and there's uh, a lot that goes on um, in it, and a big differences that happen in the 2019 movie, uh, as well as the '89 film, and as well as the novel. There's uh, quite a few differences. Um, you know, one thing that that uh, is touched on everywhere and is pretty crazy is. Um, Rachel Creed's sister, um, which is funny because this whole movie is really just about death and accepting death. Um, and it's really being able to move on. So they connect that in many ways throughout the film, specifically with um, Rachel's sister, because, you know, she, she has spinal meningitis when she's young. Um, she dies by falling down a dumbwaiter uh, in this movie. And I think in the other film, she just kind of like choked and died and in the book as well she choked and died so this time they killed her in a really horrific way um and it was because of rachel that she died because she sent it out the dumbwaiter so rachel has had that death on her for years but she's learned to let go and live her life without her sister um this movie is different because when the tragedy happens lewis creed discovers a way to get his daughter back and when he gets her back he can't see anything aside from his daughter, but really there's something evil lurking underneath her. And 
when he does realize she's too evil, that is when it's too late and she takes over. But it's not really her anymore, is it? It's uh, it's someone else. It's something else. Yeah, so this film is based off one of my uh, favorite uh, myths for Native American stories. And it was based off the Wendigo. And, um, you know, I, I know we have some stuff coming up in the future where we want to cover this in more detail. But due to the whole COVID scare, we don't really know that's when that's going to happen. So, you know, we'll, we'll cover it, I guess, uh, a bit into it. Um, but, yeah, it, it's about the Wendigo. And, and the Wendigo, you know, the folklore folklore traces back to the Native American uh, beliefs. It, it traced back to the Algonquin group of Native Americans, which is multiple different tribes, but they all kind of share this, this same, um, you know, myth or, or story about the Wendigo. And what the Wendigo is, is, I mean, it, it honestly, it's, 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 there's many different interpretations, but for the most part, it's this massive uh, emaciated humanoid, right? It looks extremely skinny. Uh, it's incredibly fast. It's very tall, very strong. It's apparently has a heart made of ice, and oftentimes it's reflected as uh, with a beast-like head. A lot of times with a deer or with antlers. It's this kind of mixture of human and beast-like traits. Um, you know, and again, th- those interpretations differ. Sometimes it's very human-looking, and sometimes it's very uh, you know, beast-like looking, but its its presence is often preceded by a strong odor or a, a snowstorm, and it stalks the woods, and where this legend originates from, these parts of, of you know, the nation that they were living in is, is very often those areas have harsh winters, very harsh conditions, and tough terrains, right? And so, um, what this really embodies is number one, the incarnation of winter, the embodiment of hunger, and the personification of of selfishness. And this goes way back in time. So the first time that this really uh, that they think that the legend came about was it really came from the village of uh, Pomioc, which is in North Carolina in 1585. And the first written mention comes from the Jesuits in the 17th century. Um, They talk about the claws, the vicious appetite, the idea that humans can uh, transform into this beast creature, which honestly kind of goes hand in hand with the the legend that they grew up with, which was the werewolf, right? So it's like... So basically they're cannibals? Um, Yes, but it doesn't always like start that way. So, um, again, so all these, they're all kind of from the same area, right? So, again, these harsh winters, heavy snowfall, lack of resources, fear, starvation. Uh, and that was a very real real thing um, in this kind of, this legend of the Wendigo. It thrives in the winter. It can travel through blizzards. It can keep going on without eating for days. But it, it, it hunts people who separate from the group or leave the safety of their homes. And a lot of times when people separate from the group, leaving the greater good for their own selfish nature to try and find food for themselves is kind of when, you know, these, uh, these mishaps happen. And a lot of times this is really just a warning against overconsumption, right? Uh, so he's always ravenous. Uh, well, I say he, but it, 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 it's, it's ambiguous. It's not a he or she, but it's always ravenous. No matter how much it eats, it's, it's, it's always still hungry. Uh, and there are a few ways that you can actually become a Wendigo. So the, the I think, most popular 
the way of that is is a curse laid on to people by different tribes, uh, different Native American tribes, right? Uh, but you can also encounter a Wendigo. Uh, you can be possessed by a Wendigo. You could even dream about a Wendigo and then start to have these traits. Um, overconsumption, eating too much, uh, you know, drinking too much, kind of, uh, what's the, the word I'm looking for? Gluttonous. Indulgence, yeah, gluttonous, self-indulgence, right? Mm-hmm. It always kind of is that. And then, of course, in dire situations where there's no food, then they, that's when it result, results to, or resorts to eating human flesh, right? So in this particular yeah. story, which honestly I wasn't super fond of, I know I've told you that before because it's, it's like this kind of off-brand take on the legend, but it's still there. But in this story, he lives on the Nimec burial ground, right? So there again, there's a pet cemetery where you can bury your pets, but then there's this magical burial ground in the back. And a lot of times it's associated with like a, a sharp owl noise on the brush. And very hard to see in the story, but when he does have his daughter there, he looks off into the distance, and in the very back, and I text messaged you this picture, but in the very back, it is, I'm looking at it right now, and it is so subtle, like it looks like it could just be a really thick-ass tree, though. Like, I feel like they did not, like, it, it's not, it's, I'm surprised that anyone really saw this and was like, that's a creature. Well, and that's how, like, weird, like, my beef with it comes, right? Like, I want, I want you to go full on Wendigo. Like, I can't wait for antlers to come out because that's basically all it's about. Right. I feel like, it was, like, these traits, but not truly the story of the Wendigo. Um, but it is there in the faintness of the, the movie. When they first go out there, you hear, like, the howls and the screeches and all that. But again, like as far as time in the movie, it's different because they're not really cannibalistic. They just, you know, want to hurt other people. Um, but the the really interesting point about this whole tale is it's not just a tale. So Wendigo psychosis is an actual psychological diagnosis in today's world, and this really became popular in the like the 1920s and 1930s. Um, and this is this weird situation where. There's this tale, there's this legend that humans listen to, interpret to, and then it somehow kind of psychs them or morphs them into into something more more devious, right? And um, it's literally believed just to originate from here in the stories, right? But then there have been tales of the Wendigo or shaman curing people being possessed by the Wendigo, whether that be Native Americans, whether that be settlers, right? And there were situations where these people went crazy and started cannibalizing and eating, you know, humans. And one of the biggest um, underlying stories of the Wendigo is this insatiable desire for human flesh with no explanation. And it's oftentimes where there's other means of food around, plenty of other food around, and they choose to not eat that and still kill people and cannibalize. So it goes back to this like uh, beast nature where you only look out for yourself and you're only trying to survive. And it is really a kind of a legend of like, don't eat more than you need. Don't wander off beyond the group, you know, stay in a tight knit community and you'll be safe. This is kind of like a folklore that came from the native Americans to keep everybody as, as one unit. And then 
you know, again, without going into too much detail, because we're going to cover this greatly in a future episode. So this is basically kind of like the synopsis of what it was, and they took some bits and pieces here and kind of twisted into their own story. Yep, and basically what you wish had happened in this one was, give me when to go or let me go. I'm done with this bullshit. Basically, yeah. Well... Yeah, it's an. I wanted to see of, of the Wendigo. I feel you, and look, I mean, like, I I think the Wendigo is a crazy story. I did not know too much about it before Antlers dropped. I I wish I knew more about it, but um, you know, I really think that this movie, while it is surround the Wendigo, it's not really necessarily about the Wendigo. So making a physical creature of a scary possibility, um, something else to add to the story is not needed in this case because I think the real fear comes from not accepting death and the complications that come from it with that. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't yeah. think that I feel like they just added this for no reason, honestly. You know, but he, well, it's been, it's been in since the novel, you know, you know, it's a, it's, he added in the novel, so they had to stick to it. Yeah. But, I mean, really this movie is about an, an ancient burial ground for Indians that will reincarnate, right? And they just somehow like, yeah. And I guess what I will say is the one real tie it has is that once he brings back his cat, then he wants to bring back his daughter. So there's there's that kind of addiction that like you know, I'm gonna do what I want. It doesn't matter if it's you know best for or for my family. Well he's overeating, he's being gluttonous, you know. He, he is becoming – it's because like that's basically what happens in this film is – like Judd, Judd says it in the film. Remember he, I remember he said it. He was like, you know, that place, I should have never taken you there, but it calls to you. It, it really – it makes you want to, to return. And that is that, that, is that overeating. Yeah, exactly. And he drugs him and he, he takes him out and it's um, – uh, I, I like that part of it. I really do because I do like the fact that it's almost like the Wendigo is a presence over all of these people, but it's more of a, a force, uh, like a like a a force that's in the air. It's not something that needs to be physical. I think what they'll do with antlers will be really cool because they'll make it be a physical force because the Wendigo does have that presence. But this is a pretty cool interpretation itself of what it is. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's done enough good spinoffs uh, of its own story um, to become something fresh uh, and nice to revisit, even though I didn't really think it was needed to revisit uh, in general to have a 2019 remake. But you know what? I was fine with how it turned out. Uh, I will say, and as I said earlier in this podcast, the ending of this film is where it really took the hard left turn. Um, about, yeah, the third act. The third act is where it really takes a hard left turn. Um, aside, really, aside from killing Judd with the scalpel, that's the all where the similarities end of the 1989 film, the book, and 2019. Um, 
you know, Rachel. Yeah. What are you talking about? The 89 one, the old movie or the new one? Yeah. I know. And then she just brutally, brutally murders him. Like she, you can see the hate in her face. Um, honestly, I don't know who got it worse, her, him or Rachel. I don't know who, who actually, I think Lewis got it the worst probably. He, he was stabbed pretty hard through the heart. Or you know what? I bet you Gage, I bet you Gage got fucking massacred. <laughs> that's, that's the point down there because so the, the way the movie ends is um, you know, they're out there on the barrel ground and he's trying to, you know, honestly just kill his daughter and kind of get over it and just end it. But then she uh, ends up killing the mother. The mother comes back and then he's trying to kill her and the mother uh, kills Lewis. And then now all three of them are dead and he locked his boy in the car and said, don't open the door for anyone. And then the movie ends with the husband, wife and daughter walking up to the car with, they're all dead with the little boy in the car and they just walk up to the car and it like cuts to black. black Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean like I, that was, I guess that's the other similarity to the end because I think the 89 film as well, it also cuts to black at the end when Rachel returns, but like it's the implication that she killed him. It's the implication that Gage died as well. Um, in terms of that, like, you know, which ending did you like better? Did you like this new alternative with everything that they did? Or did you like the 89 film better? I like the 89 film better, honestly. I was happy when they decided, this sounds fucking horrible, but I was, I was happy when they killed off the daughter, not the son, just because I have a son. And I was like, <laughs> to, uh, to gauge in the film. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, he's still alive. Like, that's awesome. And, but then at the end, I'm like, oh, fuck, that sucks. So I'm going to go ahead and go with the, uh, yeah. the original on that one. <laughs> yeah, I like, uh, I don't know. I have parts. Uh, fuck, I never loved the original. I thought the original was great. Like, it was fun to watch, but I never, like, was in love with it. I think that this new twist that they did, um, on this film and a little bit of the differences that they did made it unique enough for it to warrant the remake, I guess, in a way, because it was it was fun. It was scary. I was looking through my eye, my uh, fingers at some points. Don't hold up like movies from the 80s and 90s. Don't hold up. Not, not many of them. No. You know, yeah. You watch Halloween or you watch Friday the 13th and it's more like you're just rooting for Jason. But back in the day, those were terrifying films. So they're like the, yeah. Those aren't scary. You know, but when the, No, they're not scary. When the remake came out in 2005, that shit was terrifying. Because it's a modern update. Yeah, I mean, well, because special effects and all that stuff, of course, but Yeah, but I think you're going to see a continued trend of these remakes of Stephen King movies. And I think they're going to mm-hmm. have their own way, but will they have as much of an impact as the original films when they first came out? Who knows? You know, It's up in the air. It depends. I mean, you know, I really thought that uh, Mike Flanagan's film that just dropped last year, Dr. Sleep, which was the sequel to The Shining, I really thought that that was going to be an A-plus movie. Mike Flanagan is quite the director. He's directed some of my favorite horror films and TV shows. Uh, shout out to The Haunting of Hill House. He did every episode. But, you know, uh, it just fell flat. It didn't do it justice to what the first film 
really did. And it's, I just, it's, don't try to keep on bringing stuff like that back. The Shining is a perfect film. We didn't need a second part. Even Stephen King probably shouldn't have wrote a second second book. Let's be honest. Um, but honestly, while we're talking about, I think it'll come out this probably this October, man, which I'm very excited for. Um, and speaking of Stephen King, uh, I mean, who has an amazing legacy? Um, I we have to talk about the Easter eggs that are in this movie because there's a lot um, and they're fun. I always, that's what I love about Castle Rock. That's what I love about all Stephen King movies is they're all connected. They're all in this universe. So there were some fun ones in there. Um, I, the big one, I'm sure everyone saw it um, was the sign when Rachel was driving back to Lewis near the end, there was a sign that showed dairy 20 miles. And obviously as everyone knows, dairy is where uh, many of his, adaptations or stories take place uh the most notable one being it of course and then there are a few others as well um i think 11 takes place there as well um and if i'm not mistaken one more but i can't remember the name of it this time but um that's that's a uh, clear one uh the film takes place in ludlow maine was stephen king right isn't that crazy i know dude he's he's it is I do too. I, I mean, I need to read the book. It's funny because I'm an idiot and I don't read too much and I should read more, <laughs> but I try, I try to, but like, I just, well, I, really the, the, the I know, but the, the book has so much more shit. Like the dark tower. Those are, that's a Stephen King that flopped. Um, and people who are like, no, you have to like split that up into so many different movies. I um, that, could, that book as a kid and then being like, I hate reading. So no. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have it can you find it it's somewhere in the house probably yeah i mean i have like a i have like a a couple bookshelves here and there's on there i would say 10 percent of the books are read like the rest are just things i bought and i was like i'll read this yeah that's a that's pretty much how it goes for everybody yeah a little bit um another thing is the film place takes takes place in ludlow maine which is a real place um, another one of Stephen King's books, The Dark Half, also takes place there as well. Um, I thought this was interesting. The address of the house is 664 River Road, um, which is the same address Stephen King was living at when he wrote the Pest Cemetery novel. That's crazy because we grew up around the River Road. I know. Isn't that weird? It's, it wasn't. I mean, he, he grew up in Maine, but um, I'm pretty sure he grew up in Maine. Uh, also, King. Yeah, I'm sure there's more than one river road. Clearly there is. Um, King, Stephen King got the idea for the novel when his daughter's cat was hit by a truck and died. The cat was buried in an informal pet cemetery on a hill behind the house. So clearly this man was just like, oh, there we go. I'll do this. Um, at least I know he's so fucked up. He's so fucked up. Uh, at Ellie's birthday party, you can faintly hear Judd talking about a St. Bernard going on a rampage, a clear reference to Cujo. Um, and at Rachel's, at Rachel, I've never seen it actually. And that's sad. I haven't seen it since five or six probably. I need to, five or six, what the fuck? Dude, my parents were way too strict. This is why I always snuck over to your house. <laughs> I still remember my first rated R movie I was allowed to watch. 
the jackal. My dad was watching me, was showing me Terminator 2 when I was like young. <laughs> but is the Terminator 2? Yeah, yeah, that's rated R. Dude, the Terminator 2. Oh my god. I love that movie. I wish we could I wish we could cover that on this podcast. It's not horror enough. Maybe well, it's not horror, but it's sci-fi. Maybe we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, maybe we could. Um so also I thing that I was reading and I did not notice this and I wish I did, I love is uh in Rachel's house in the flashbacks when she's with her sister Zelda, there's a painting on the wall, and in that painting is two twins. Uh and those twins are the Grady sisters from The Shining. Um and then also I guess it makes sense, although I think it's kind of a stretch. Um, El- nah, that's not a stretch, but it's just – I just didn't catch it, I guess. But Ellie smashing the bathroom door is really similarities to Wendy being trapped in the bathroom in The, sh- in the Shining and Jack Torrance trying to break down the wall. Excuse me, break down the door and kill her. I did too. Yeah, it's, it's a uh, – it, I love Easter eggs. I love trying to find them. Um, I think that they're hidden so well. Sometimes it's just fun to read in an article and let other people find them, but it's still, it's still just so fucking cool. Um, really that covers the entirety of this story. Um, I think that a lot of people after this was over, it did decently well in theaters. Uh, I mean, it grossed 54 point or 109 million worldwide off a $21 million budget. So it did do well. And the film's producer, Lorenzo D. Bonaventura, excuse me, Lorenzo D. Bonaventura, um, he would like to see a sequel, but instead he would like this to be a uh, prequel because I think there's a lot that they can cover and maybe they can get into your Wendigo. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be, uh, I'd be definitely down to see that if they were going to have any uh, origins of this story. But what were, uh, I guess, what were your key takeaways from this movie? Um, look, man, some things are better left off dead, especially this remake. Um, I don't, uh, I don't think it needed to be done. Um, but you know what? It worked. So I, I give it, uh, I give it a, 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 a six. I give it a six. Um, and I think it was a little unsettling. happen don't try and tinker with the way that uh like, throws the dice at you and then i guess kind of like at the very ending you know i was <laughs> as the, as the father and hey at least they're all happy together i guess you know kind of their own little zombie murderous ways um but yeah i mean you know i think overall uh good movie for a remake did it need to be told? No. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'd be more interested in seeing a prequel, but, you know, good movie for, for what it is. Um, you know, there's, there's not much more, I guess. If I was going to give it anything, I'd say, um, honestly, maybe a, I'm kind of torn. Um, I'll give it a 5.5, honestly. Maybe. That's, a, so that's the first time you scored below me. Yeah, it's a tale you've heard before. Exactly. Put it this way: when no, 
Put it this way. When it comes time for you to introduce Quinn to movies uh, and show your son some movies, you're not going to be showing him the 2019 Pet Cemetery. You're going to be showing him the 1989 film. Exactly. It's a fun interpretation. You can't do it classic. And, you know, I don't mean that. Like, I'm saying 5.5 on the greater scale of things, just being honest. But it's still, you know, a, a very fun movie to watch. And you can definitely, you know, do it on a date night and just, you know, crush it by yourself. You won't regret it, but I just don't think it's anything that you're going to, you know, seriously ride home about. Nope. Well, I totally agree. I I think it's still a fun thing to watch. You guys can check it out now on um, uh, Amazon Prime Video if you have it. Um, We're all quarantined, so do enjoy it uh, and check it out. Is it on Hulu too? It is on Hulu. I forgot about that. And Hulu as well if you have Hulu. So you have options here. So get on out there and check stuff out. Jay and I are going to be recording uh, next uh, the movie Creep. So you guys should definitely check it out and tune in. Uh, Until then, thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye.